we have back-to-back Stephanie episodes. Episode 185 was with Stephanie. 186 is with a different Stephanie, Stephanie Dodier, who's been on the podcast before. And I'm super excited that you are listening to episode 186. We are chatting all about intuitive eating, body acceptance, weight stigma, and a bunch of other fun things. It's probably one of my favorite topics. And if you are ready to ditch the diet culture BS and really embrace your body. And I got to tell you, I've done this. I've gained the weight. Now I'm losing the weight. I've gone from a size 12 to a size six, just simply by enjoying my life and not caring about food. Of course, I didn't have this goal in mind. But when I first started this journey back in 2015, when I was finally like, I am done with caring so much about my body and weight. And when I jump on the scale, I was either going to be super, super, super happy or super, super, super pissed off at myself and disappointed in myself and angry. When I made that commitment to eat all of the things and really embrace everything and not have limits to then eat a whole bunch of things and then default back to keto and eat keto. And now I'm fasting long periods of time. I'm not hungry as much. I'm drinking alcohol again and just loving my life and having great sex for the first time in a really long time and really feeling empowered in my own body. I've lost a ton of weight by not even thinking about it. So please, when you hear these sorts of things, understand that there is light at the end of the tunnel and by healing our bodies, although it does take some time, it took me about four years to heal my body. I'm now on the other side of it and finally sliding in to the safe space where I don't need to care anymore ever. And that is such a gift. So if you're wanting to take that next step, if you're wanting to get off this roller coaster once and for all, head on over to healthfulpursuit.com slash whole. That's W-H-O-L-E. I'll also include the links in the show notes if you want to give that a try. But again, it's healthfulpursuit.com slash W-H-O-L-E, where I am giving you 21 steps that you can take right now to turn that conversation around and start to really hone in on your health so that you can finally get the body of your dreams and like not stress out about it. I promise you it is life changing. If you've watched me on Instagram over the last couple of weeks, months, I would say the last couple of months, I am finally sliding into my power place. And I think that a whole keto is a great first step. So again, that's healthfulpursuit.com slash whole. I got one cool thing for you today. And that is that my book tour is coming to a close. So if you are thinking about meeting me, in various locations. Specifically, there's only a couple locations left. So if you're thinking that you want to meet me, I can sign your book. We can take selfies. I'll answer your keto questions, life questions, whatever you got for me. Head on over to ketodietbook.com slash tour to RSVP. And this is a takeover episode. So I'm going to be sliding the microphone over to Stephanie Dodier, and she is going to share all the amazingness with you. You can find her on her website, stephaniedodier.com. That's D-O-D-I-E-R.com. She also has a podcast and a bunch of fun things. So head on over to her website, check it out. And I hope you enjoy. Okay, let's do this thing. 
Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast. If you're new around these parts, I'm Leanne Vogel. You may know me as the international best-selling author of the Keto Diet, the Keto Diet Cookbook, Keto for Women, and the writer behind the site, healthfulpursuit.com. As a woman, you already know exactly how hard it can be to lose weight, stay in shape, and make the best of your diet. I've put together a free 21-page guide exclusive to podcast listeners that shows you why imbalanced hormones are generally at the core of all struggles that women face when it comes to our weight and our overall health. Go to ketoforwomen.com for your free guide. In this free 21-page guide called Managing Hormone Imbalances for the Keto Lady, I share tips that will help you find success in adjusting your keto to fit your lady body. First, I'll provide five tips to help you stay focused as a keto lady. And lastly, we will review the top hormone imbalances that affect women, signs you may have a hormone imbalance, and actions you can take right now to achieve hormone balance. You can get your free 21-page guide at ketoforwomen.com. And thank you so much for listening today. Hello, sisters. My name is Stephanie Dodier, clinical nutritionist and a podcast host of the Going to Be on the Food show. And I'm also French-Canadian. That's where the accent you will be experiencing over this podcast episode is coming from. I've been on the podcast before with Leanne, episode 43, where we talked about binge eating. Now, in my day-to-day life, I lead women towards making peace with food and their body via our proprietary methodology that's going to be on the food method, which I'll talk a bit more at the end of this podcast. But today I'm going to tell you a story the seven lesson that I learned from my journey towards food and body freedom. And it's going to come through my own life experience, because that's what makes my approach to food and body and health different than some people is that I've been there. And when I share my story, when I'm vulnerable, that's when I get the most effective reach to women like you and people like you listening to this podcast. It's when it's coming from the heart. And that's the feedback that my listener gave me. So we're going to go through a journey together that's going to cover a lot of things that are the kind of the stepping stone for you to get to food and body freedom. So let's dive right in and we're going to start with lesson one. And lesson one of this story is that weight stigma is real and freaking powerful. So let's start by leveling and understanding what the heck do I mean by weight stigma. Weight stigma is weight bias. It's weight-based discrimination or negative attitude or stereotyping based on a person's weight. Now, weight stigma came into my life very early on. Around the age of nine or 10 years old, I vividly have this memory in my head of one of my uncle commenting on the size of my breasts. My breasts were developing early and he made a joke. However, I remember being absolutely terrified by his comment. And what I was experiencing was actually shame. And then weight stigmatization continued in my life when I entered uh, grade school and I was taller than anyone in my class, like up to two head taller than even any boys. 
So as you can imagine, I was singled out. I was very lonely because I was different than anyone else. And I was bullied for that. And that actually led me to my first diet at the age of 12 years old when my mom, seeing how difficult things were for me, actually took me to Weight Watcher in an attempt to help me. And that's when weight stigma actually became internalized in me. And the difference between external weight stigmatization and internal is that externally it comes from someone else, like my uncle when I was younger. And then at some point you start believing in it. And that's when it becomes internalized. And research has demonstrated that the most potent form of weight stigma is actually internalized weight stigma. It's something that most of the women in my community, and I know perhaps a lot of you do, is that we shame ourselves for our body appearance, for our weight, for the shape and the form of the different part of our body. We don't need anyone else to create pain for us. We do it on our own. And for me, that launched me into my 25-year career of dieting. From the age of 12 to the age of 37, 38 years old, I was either on a diet, off a diet, or suffering because I wasn't either on or off of it. I was on and off the wagon for almost 25 years. And the trigger to this journey was weight stigma. And it's a very potent motivator towards dieting. And I know it happens to me, many of the women in my community, perhaps a lot of you, but stat says it's about 40% of the population. And we internalize it and we also are faced with it through diet culture, which we'll pause here, diet culture, we'll talk about that in, in an upcoming lesson that I'm going to teach you here. But Enough to say that we're reminded every day that our body should look or not look a certain way. And we diet. That's the model that is being offered to us as a solution to the pain of weight stigma. And we also believe that if we can suffer enough through this body shaming, we'll actually be motivated to try, quote, harder because something has to be wrong with our body because diets should work and they don't work. So we're going to shame ourselves even more. We're going to internalize this weight stigma, creating a lot of pain within us as a motivator to try harder. The problem is it doesn't work. And again, I have a background in science. I have a degree in health science, a degree in clinical nutrition. So when I experience things in my life, I always go to science and say, is that the case. Is that true? And the studies are clear. When people internalize weight stigma and they feel bad about themselves because of their weight and their body, they end up feeling less confidence and their ability to engage in healthful behavior. And then we observe more disordered eating behavior, binge eating particularly, or avoidance of physical activity or obsession around physical activity and other behavior that prevents people from actually being healthy. 
So what we think, what I thought for 25 years was actually the best motivator towards trying harder was actually exactly what was pulling me away from being the version of myself that I wanted to be. And that leads me to lesson number two, and I talked about it briefly, diet culture. So lesson number two of my life and my journey towards food and body freedom is that diet culture is a powerful thing, not to use another word, and also a monster, but it's optional. So let's define what diet culture is because many people are not even aware of this concept. Diet culture don't just mean being on a diet or any type of way of eating. You don't have to be in a way of eating, in a diet, to be part of diet culture. Diet culture, I'm going to share with you the definition of Christy Arison in her upcoming book called Anti-Diet. So she defines diet culture as a system of belief that worship, tinness, and equate it to health and moral virtue, which means you can spend your life thinking that you're broken just because you don't look like the thin idol that is being portrayed in society, aka weight stigma, right? So diet cultures lays the land for us to judge our own body because we don't participate in this model of thinness because our body is not thin enough and also fuels people to judge other people for their body. Diet culture is also promoting weight loss as the mean of attaining this higher status of thinness, which means that you feel compelled to spend a massive amount of time and energy of money trying to shrink your body even though the research is very clear that diet don't work. I mean, 95% of people that go on a diet regain their weight within one to five years. That's what I experienced. In my 25 plus year career of dieting, I've been on seven different massive lifestyle change diet. And every single time within a period of five years, I had lost and regained all the weight. And I'm sure that's something that you've experienced as well. And yet, diet culture is so powerful that even though we have the proof in our life that diet don't work, that we have the statistic in front of us, we still want to get into the next diet. That's how powerful diet culture is. So let me carry on with the Next part of the definition of diet culture. So worship to ness, use weight loss, aka diet, at a mean of attaining this higher status. And then it demonizes certain ways of eating while elevating others, which means that you are forced to be hypervigilant about your eating and feel ashamed if you eat certain food, certain quantity of food. So not only it makes you do a diet, but it drives shameful emotion if you don't participate perfectly into it. The last part of diet culture is that it oppress people who don't match up with the supposed picture of health, aka thinness, which in today's world is mostly women. 
So diet culture is something that is very powerful. You are in it. You may or may not participate in it. Most women participate in it without even knowing. So if you are in the world of keto, which most of you are, without you knowing, you're participating in diet culture. Now, we'll talk about the different intention behind doing keto, but for me, for the 25 years, up to the moment who I got to keto, so did Weight Watcher, did Low Fat, did Atkins, did South Beach, Low Calorie, did them all, even the cabbage soup diet, by the way. <laughs> I did that for 25 years with the goal of having a thinner body because I believed that that was the way to be accepted through the world because of bullying and weight stigma that had happened earlier in my life. And then I had a life-changing moment, which is lesson number three. Back to today's episode in a sec. ButcherBox features 100% grass-fed and finished heritage-bred pork and organic free-range chicken. ButcherBox sends you high-quality, health-promoting meats directly to your door on dry ice and free shipping anywhere in the lower 48. ButcherBox makes committing to quality protein sources less expensive and more available to everyone. Their prices are hard to beat, and it's challenging to find a higher quality product anywhere in the USA. I've been using ButcherBox for years and love the convenience of a package showing up just when I need it, and their ground sausage is an absolute dream. ButcherBox has put together a super special deal for all listeners of the show. Order your first box and get a special gift plus an additional $20 off. Now, this special gift is so epic that I can't even mention it on the episode today. So you'll have to go to butcherbox.com slash keto diet to check out the deal plus get your $20 off your very first order. Again, that's butcherbox.com slash keto diet to check out the deal plus get $20 off your first order. If you're unsure of the link, simply check out today's show notes for all the details. Okay, back to today's episode. And lesson number three is right at that point at 37 years old, I had to learn the lesson of repeating or evolving your choice. What do I mean by that? I mean that with everything that happened in my life, everything that happens in your life, there's a lesson. There's a lesson in everything. It's up to you to see it and to make different choice or to repeat the same story in your life. I woke up at the age of 37 and I had to make a choice. And that choice came from hitting rock bottom. At 37, I was on stage for a company that I was working for. Although I had studied in health science and I had a degree in health science, I ended up in business pursuing financial reward, way more money in business than there is in science and in healthcare. So I ended up in business and I had a very successful career because I was working from a place of not good enough because of white stigma. So I was working really hard and was very successful. And I was on stage at 37 and I collapsed. In front of nearly 2000 people, I hit the ground and was rushed to the hospital to be diagnosed with five chronic conditions, which were high blood pressure, high cholesterol, inflammation, depression, anxiety, and panic attack. And I left the hospital 24 hours later with five different prescriptions. 
And something happened in that moment when I said earlier, the lesson was repeat or evolve. I had this moment of awareness looking at the prescription and in my head, something said, if you fill up those prescriptions and you start taking the medication, that will be for the rest of your life and you'll never get out of it. And I followed my intuition. Not the time I didn't know it was my intuition. I just followed my gut, did not fill up the prescription and went on a search of another solution. And that's when I entered the world of nutrition and natural health and wellness. I hired a coach, started to see a naturopath, and was introduced to non-diet approach to food, which was completely novel to me. Back in the days, it was the beginning, the early, early beginning of paleo. It wasn't commercialized yet. I was back in 2012, and uh, my coach changed my nutrition to paleo without having to count a calorie, without having to restrict anything. I was like, oh my God, why has that not happened in my life before, right? And I lost a bunch of weight. And because I hate more quality food, I took care of myself, stopped overworking, started to move my body. All my chronic condition went away except one, anxiety, which we'll talk about in just a bit. And I was so excited. And then a couple of years into it, I actually left my job, the corporate world, and went back to school. Went and completed another degree in nutrition and opened a clinic in Oakville, Canada and practiced clinical nutrition, which means in a clinical setting, in an office, you see patients and, and you help them with their health using food. And it worked well for me till about two years in where I started to struggle with gaining weight. Nothing had changed from a point of view of exercise or food, but I was gaining weight. And I felt really, really uncomfortable because I was a professional and people were judging me based on what I should look like. And that was a threat to my livelihood. Not only was I feeling bad because I was still holding onto the weight stigma and the way my body should look like, but it was threatening my livelihood. So my anxiety was worse then than when I was in the corporate world. And I started to use food to cope. At the time, I didn't know that that was what it was, but I had disordered eating. I was binging. And that's actually how I met your leader, Leanne. She was at her beginning stage of keto. She didn't even have yet written her first digital program. She was just sharing about it on Facebook back in the days. And I think it was at the time where she did her first video around it. That's how she came into my world. And she was talking about keto. And I'm like, well, that's how I almost live my life, right? Because I was paleo, but very low carb without knowing what I was doing. And then I got into the world of keto, like as everything that I do in life, many of you will connect to this, I go to the extreme. And there's a reason why I do that. I do that because I want to compensate that I'm not good enough. So if you're like that, really reflect on that because that's likely you as well. I went on it and I started following Leanne. I started reading books, attending conferences, and I became a keto expert to the point where I actually wrote a book about it. And it worked for a bit, but then my binging behavior came back. I continued to put on weight 
And I was desperate, like desperate. I had quit my job, changed my lifestyle. I did all the changes you could imagine. And yet my worst fear was coming true. My fear of gaining weight or not losing the weight was my biggest fear in life. And it was becoming a reality. And I was so panicked about it that I was binging, binging on keto bread and paleo cookie and butter fudge. And it was like, I thought my life was over. And then one day, someone gave me a book. The book was from the author Janine Ruth. And the book was Women, Food and God. And I remember reading it, I was actually in Florida, poolside, and I had a holy crap moment. You know, one of those moments, just like the prescription moment for me, where I looked at it and I made a choice, that same type of moment when I was reading that book, I was like, holy crap, this is me, which brought me to lesson four. I hope you're totally digging this episode. I love putting these together every week and I hope you're getting something out of it. I love seeing where you're listening from. So next time you're listening or even right now, take a picture of yourself watching the show or a screenshot of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram at healthful pursuit. And if social isn't your thing, that's totally fine. Just jump on your favorite podcast player and leave a review for the show. Okay, back to the good stuff. Lesson four is titled, It's Beyond the Food. And I read the book from Janine Roth, Woman, Food, and God, in two days. And that's exactly what she was spelling out. That food was not about the food. It was about the emotion and the spiritual aspect of food. What were we trying to fulfill with eating that quantity of food or controlling our food? Actually had the honor of interviewing Janine, on my podcast, if you want to go listen to it, Podcast 129, it was a, a big moment for me. But yeah, so Janine brought to my awareness that there was another component to food. And as a good scientist, I read this book, there was no science. So Janine is not an, a science expert, she's a spiritual leader. So I took the knowledge I acquired in that book and I went to science. I'm like, is that true? Holy moly, everything she was saying was true. There is a deep connection between food, our emotion, our thinking, and it's all residing into the world of neuroscience. And then I encountered the model of cognitive behavior therapy, a model that is widespread into the world of psychology and therapy, which basically is, some of you may know it under CBT, Uh, which basically explain how we have behavior. So just a quick synopsis for you. The behavior that you express in life, let's focus on food here. Let's perhaps say you emotionally eat or you binge eat. That behavior is a result of your emotion. So how it works in your brain is that you feel an emotion, which by the way, emotions are physical. They're literal sensation in your body that can be measured. So you feel a sensation in your body, which is called an emotion, and then that engage into a behavior. Based on the emotion, it will engage into a compensatory behavior, a positive behavior, different types of behavior. And then your emotion that creates a behavior are actually created by your thoughts. So your thoughts 
create the emotion that's felt throughout your body, which creates the behavior. Then the next step is to say, well, how is the thought created? The thought is created by your perspective. And I like to explain it in my program as the pair of glasses you put on every morning. So each one of us has a different life experience. We have a different core belief. We have different way we were raised with our parents. And we are exposed to different things in our environment, such as die culture. So when you put all of that in a big mixing bowl and you stir it, it becomes your perspective. It becomes how you see life. And this is why we have different beliefs in life. Like I could be in your life situation today and have a different set of perspective based on my own upbringing versus you, right? So that's why I call it pair of glasses because it's different based on this big mixture in your bowl of what happened in your life. So our binging behavior can be controlled temporarily with willpower, but at some point it explodes because we're not addressing the emotion, the thoughts, and the perspective. And this vicious pattern was happening to me, although I was an expert on the keto diet, I was an expert in nutrition, I was an expert in functional medicine, yet I wasn't addressing the real issue, which was my core belief, my thinking, and my emotion, and I kept repeating and repeating and repeating it. And then I discovered, Janine Rutt discovered this model, and then started to do mind work, and started to explore this whole side of thing. And then wellness diet came in, which is lesson five. Lesson five is wellness diet and health. And the belief around what a healthy body is. That was a huge lesson for me. And I'm sure for some of you, it already has been, or it will be when I'm finished this lesson with you. So while I was working on my thoughts and my emotion, and I was practicing as a nutritionist and learning all this stuff, yet on the side, I was still chasing weight loss for myself. I wanted to lose the weight that I had gained over the last number of years, and I had explored food. I knew I couldn't restrict food anymore because what else is there beyond keto? Like keto wasn't popular in those days, but what else was there in my head? I didn't know. And so I started to seek other ways of being healthy with the intention of losing weight. And that's the key here. Now, politically correct, I wasn't saying to people, I'm looking to lose weight because I was so ashamed of it. And instead, I was saying to people, I want to be healthy because a healthy body is a thin body, right? Is that what you believe? That's what I believed for years up to the age of like 39, and I, I was a professional and I still believe, like I was taught in all my schooling, that when you get healthy, you're going to lose weight because a healthy body has to be a thin body and you're going to, quote, release the unhealthy weight. So I went on my merry way to not chase weight loss, which is diet culture, but instead to chase health with the intention of losing weight. And that's what's called wellness diet. So a little bit of background here. Diet culture is a very old model. It's been present in society in first world countries for perhaps 100 years. Wellness diet is brand new. Wellness diet is the rebranding of diet culture. So the best example I can give you with that is Weight Watcher. So my mom and me, 
We did Weight Watcher back in the day. And Weight Watchers result financially weren't good over the last 10 years. So what did they do? They rebranded themselves. And now they call themselves www.wellness.work. That's wellness diet. So instead of saying to people, we're going to chase weight loss, we're removing the word weight loss. And we're saying, we're going to chase health and wellness. With the underground tone that when you get there, well, you're going to release the weight because a healthy body is a thin body. Wellness diet is the rebranded, upgraded version of diet culture. If you're millennial, you're probably very familiar with that because that's what the weight loss industry realized, that the millennial wanted nothing to do with Weight Watcher or Jenny Craig. They were smarter than that. The kids are smarter than us. They're like, no, 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 no. Chasing weight loss doesn't work. We're not going to do that. But instead, we're going to chase health with the underground tone that we're going to lose weight. So I seek fixing my body with a mission, like anything else that I do. And the key to that was my hormones. I needed to fix my gut and my hormone so that I can be healthy and then I could release the weight. And I was on a mission. I did everything possible. I went to the extent of seeing the Dean of Functional Medicine in the Florida University, Dr. David Blywise. I flew there because nobody else could fix me. I spent probably well over $25,000 in every test possible, always seeking to fix myself. And nothing was getting better. Not because of Dr. Blyswise or the other people that I was seeing, because that wasn't the issue. But I didn't know that at the time. Yet someone, a lesson, a teacher in my life, sent me a book. And that person will know who they are. They sent me a book titled Health at Every Size. Hmm. Health at Every Size, if you remember lesson three, is a segment of diet culture. It is an approach to eating and weight that differs from conventional treatment model. And instead of seeking weight loss as a means to be healthy, it emphasizes self-acceptance and healthy day-to-day -day behavior that your weight change or not. So basically, health at every size is a health approach that is not weight-centric, but that is instead weight-neutral. Health at every size is a research movement led by Linda Bacon and Deb Berger. I have linked in the show note or Leanne, well, I, I'm so used to my podcast. Leanne has, or will note in the podcast, a document called Health at Every Size Manifesto. It's totally free. I would recommend that you go and read it. It's nine pages. And if you think it's going to serve you, go buy the book from Linda Bacon and Deb Berger. But Health at Every Size was a shift in the way I was seeing medicine and engaging with health. And Health at Every Size, through their research, realized that there was devastating side effect and consequences to the current dieting model. And those consequences were mental health issue, eating disorder and disordered eating behavior, poor emotional health, compulsive behavior, self-hatred, and many other. Everything that I was experimenting was in that book, and it wasn't my fault. It was diet culture and a diet model that were causing me to experience those symptoms. 
So I came out of reading that book and I decided to stop chasing weight loss. And it took about six months to make that shift that more that I was reading, I went beyond the book, did more research, and it was evident. The literature was there, yet because diet culture is so pervasive in all areas of society, that literature was not being made public. It was not being shared because it was going against this $67 billion industry. So as the scientist in me, I couldn't deny this. And everything that was experimenting, I couldn't live like this. So I stopped pursuing weight loss and then something else became really evident. If I'm not going to chase weight loss, then I have to make peace with my body. And the only way through that is body acceptance. And that's lesson six. Back to today's episode in a sec. Today's show is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, the makers of my favorite magic elixirs like the Lion's Mane Elixir. Add to coffee, your morning tea, smoothies, shakes, you name it, and watch your anxiety go down and your cognitive function increase. Each of their elixirs are formulated to support various aspects of your health and wellness, from brain function to energy production, relaxation, and more. They're easy to travel with, you can add them to any liquid, and they're pretty tasty too. Use the coupon code KETO, all in caps, for 15% off all things at foursigmatic.com slash keto. Unsure of the link? Check out today's show notes for all the details. Okay, back to today's episode. Lesson six is you can't hate yourself to happiness. Hatred will not deliver for you happiness. Body acceptance is the solution. So... I went on and start learning about what does it take to accept my own body. And I encountered something called the work. Katie Barron is a big proponent of that. But basically the work is everything you don't do when you diet. It's 100% different of dieting. So when we go on a diet, we think that we have to put out a lot of effort, which we do, right? We have to cook different food. We have to buy different food. We have to kill the craving, restrict, deprive ourselves. And in some cases, we have to exercise more or exercise differently. We have to combat the mental chatter in our head. Like it's physically demanding. The work, it's none of that. The work is self-reflection. It's sitting quiet with a journal and getting to know you or perhaps with walk in nature or perhaps instead of doing CrossFit workout, you're doing a very slow paced yoga. It's about learning to get quiet and be comfortable getting quiet, looking at your thoughts and doing the mental work. So you're no longer the victim of your thought that you learn coping strategy for your emotion that are not involving food. That's what's called the work. And that's what I went on to do. To be quite honest with you, the work, that mental, emotional and spiritual work was a lot less exhausting, but it was harder than dieting. And that's why today, when I look at my patients and my client, I see so much resistance, is that in part, we don't believe that it's possible to change simply by journaling stuff. What do you mean? Like I had to work so much harder when I dieted, it can't be that simple. So we resist it, we resist it. And the other reason is because we're afraid 
of dealing with our emotions. So we go back to dieting, like we go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And my entire purpose in life is that you don't get to where I was, that you don't collapse, that you don't fall in deep depression or any other difficult situation that you might find yourself into because you're afraid of doing the work of getting to know you and your emotion and your thoughts. So that led me to the world of body neutrality. Body neutrality is the gateway to body acceptance. Body neutrality is a clinical approach to dealing with our body image. So body neutrality is not the same as body positivity. Let me say that right off the bat. Body positivity is a fact activism movement, and it's also a political movement that helps rid society of weight stigma. But it's not a good clinical approach to moving people like me and perhaps you from shaming our body, internalized weight stigma to body freedom, right? Accepting our body. So there comes body neutrality. Body neutrality empowers us to embrace ourselves as we are, including the bits and the parts that we don't like. And it's okay that we don't like them. Body neutrality also moves you from seeing your body as a trophy of self-worth to a functional vehicle that you go through life with. So instead of being how I'm being accepted by the world, my physical appearance, my body becomes the vehicle, the functional aspect of me and how I engage with life. So one of the best example I can give you is for women, the belly, right? So when you ask women, where do they want to lose weight? And Leanne will tell you the same, vast majority is the belly, right? We want to change our belly. And yet when you get into a deeper interview with women, you realize that they're mothers, that this belly the fat that they have on their belly was actually created following a pregnancy and they hate that part of their body the most. So body neutrality takes you from that place to say, hey, hold on a minute here. This belly actually created life for you. This belly took an egg the size of a pin drop and made it an eight pound baby. How can you not appreciate and be grateful for what happened there? So we move from judgment to actually gratefulness. So that's how we teach it. We teach you to re-engage with your body from a place of gratefulness and functionality. Now it does require work, right? Because that culture made sure that you weren't doing that, right? So we have to do the work. Now, the good thing is the work is not on a treadmill sweating. (laughs) The work is learning different language around your body, but also spending five minutes a day in front of the mirror and not naked at first, like perhaps just your face and you start noticing your thoughts and you start reframing them to a place of gratefulness. And with time and repetition, then you start feeling safe in your body and you start releasing the trauma of body shaming. And then gradually you become body neutral. So I had to accept my body And then I had to learn a new way of engaging with food because if I wasn't going to diet and I wasn't going to aim for weight loss, how the heck am I supposed to eat? And that's when intuitive eating came into my life. So lesson seven is intuitive eating is the gateway to food freedom, health, and happiness. To be honest with you, when intuitive eating came into my life way back in school, 
I denied it. And then I, I came back into my life a second time on social media. And I was looking at people doing intuitive eating, eating pizza and chips and pop and it like knew, don't want to do that. And then I met Evelyn Trevoli. Evelyn Trevoli is the author of the intuitive eating framework book. So she, along with another researcher, wrote a book and 10 principles around intuitive eating and how to best implement it in your life. So for those who don't know what intuitive eating is, intuitive eating is a proven, well-researched, over 100 study, self-care eating framework that makes you the boss of you. Intuitive eating teaches you to have a healthy relationship to food, empowering you to trust your ability to meet your needs, distinguish between physical and emotional hunger, and ultimately developing body wisdom. Intuitive eating is our natural state of engaging with food. So if you've had a baby or babysat a baby or been around a baby that wanted to get fed, you've witnessed intuitive eating, meaning that the baby feels hunger and it cries. It doesn't have any other mean of communication at this point. So it cries, mom or somebody appears with a bottle, feeds the baby, and then the baby is feeling fully satisfied, goes to sleep. And then the next time that the baby has a need, it starts crying, you feed and the routine goes on. That's intuitive eating. The baby doesn't go around calculating macros and calories and good food, bad food. It just feels hunger express the need, fulfill the need, and then go back to sleep. That's how intuitive eating is. Intuitive eating will teach you or will unlearn or unteach you what diet culture taught you, which is to rely on external cues to know what to eat, when to eat, and how to eat. And then we will reconnect you with this innate ability you have. And PSA here, you have it. Granted, the, the flame of intuitive eating may be really small in you. Perhaps it's just the pilot that's running right now, but it's there. It's a universe God-given gift that we all have. We can never completely kill it. Perhaps it's very small. It's going to need a lot of nurturing and a lot of exercise and a lot of, quote, the work, but it's there. You can all become intuitive eater no matter how deeply you are in dieting and diet culture. I was there, I mean, 25 years of it, I was deeply in it, and I learned, and that's what I teach now. And also be aware that intuitive eating requires body acceptance. The reason for that is you are saying, okay, I'm going to tap into my body's cue to know what to eat, when to eat. I can't hate. I can't be ashamed of the machine that's going to tell me what and when to eat. So the work of body acceptance and intuitive eating goes hand in hand. So once you switch to intuitive eating and you accept your body, you do what I call going beyond the food, which is my entire brand, and you become at peace with food and your body. And then you can start living your full life right now, independent of your weight. And that's what you see Leanne do every day on social media when she posts about her boat and the RVs and moving. She is living her full life. That's what I do too. Right? Today, I took a picture of me in front of a mirror with a romper that I've never worn in my life because I was too big to wear a romper before. Right? I'm living my full life. And instead of chasing weight loss, 
We aim to take care of our body, to be healthy, but not with the intention of losing weight, but to get health so we can live a fulfilled life today, that we can chase our dream, that we can be the best version of ourselves, that for moms, you can stop generational trauma of passing your discomfort with your body and your obsession with food to your kids, because that's a huge issue. I learned from my mom. So intuitive eating and body acceptance gets you to learn what you need to get there. And at the end of the day, it's about living a life of empowerment, which is what we're meant to be as women, especially in 2019. We're supposed to be empowered and not living from a place of fear, but from a place of love. And that's the gift of intuitive eating, of food freedom, of body freedom, of body acceptance. And that's what I learned through my life. So just to recap before I leave you, weight stigma is real and freaking powerful. You have to work through it. Lesson two is about diet culture and how it is very powerful, but yet optional to take part in it. Lesson three was about learning to either repeat or evolve. Learn from our lesson. Lesson four, it's beyond the food. Like you gotta see past food. Lesson five is wellness diet and how a healthy body does not necessarily equate a tin body. Lesson six is you can't hate yourself to happiness. Body acceptance is the gateway to happiness. And lesson seven is intuitive eating, the gateway to health and happiness. So I hope this episode serve you. That's how I approach working with my clients and my patients. And I hope that one day I can perhaps help you and you can help me fulfill my purpose in life to make the world a world filled with food freedom and body freedom. If you want more from me, you can come and check me out in Going Beyond the Food Show podcast. And also I've given Leanne the link to my free intuitive eating starter guide, which you can go and download right away and get started on your journey of intuitive eating. And again, thank you, Leanne, for this great opportunity. And hopefully I'll see you over on my podcast. Bye, ladies. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.